We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. Man, guys, it was, Darius is always already cracking up at me. Guys, it was right there. We were up 17, nine minutes left. This close from our first six out of seven stretch since the 21 season and early in the 21 season, just playing good ball in general. And we completely let our foot off the gas. I have lots of thoughts on this D, but Lakers collapse, lose on a buzzer beater to the Indiana Pacers. D, what the hell happened in the end of that game? Don't ask me. I don't know what the hell happened. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. If you want actual analysis, the Lakers stopped playing hard and they allowed the Pacers to dictate the terms of engagement over a stretch of the game in which the Lakers believed that the game was already won. And so two things happened at the same time, and it's how such a big lead might can dissipate in as short amount of time. Right. And so if one team is just playing poorly and the other team is playing normally, 17 points with 10 minutes left is still, I think, too big of a lead if the other team isn't actively trying to disrupt the flow of the game. But the the Pacers did exactly that. They started they threw in this wonky half court trap like for five or six possessions in in a row. And if they didn't force turnovers, they sped up the Lakers in a way where like they started to force bad shots and the Lakers weren't playing with the right amount of attention to detail. Um, There's so many other things that I could point out. The fact that like Anthony Davis took two shots in the fourth quarter and Russell Westbrook and LeBron combined for 14 shots. LeBron was two for eight in that period. Russ went three for six. And so you think like, hey, that's great. But 
Two of those makes came in the final three minutes, and one of them was sort of like a bailout three, and the other one was a pull-up jumper that hit the heel, bounced straight up in the air, and then fell through. Those weren't good possessions by any means. It's just that the Lakers got points out of them. So to me, it's like the Lakers totally let go of the rope. I use this this analogy before, but there's like there's letting your foot off the gas, and then there's totally just getting out of the car. The Lakers got out of the car. <laughs> yeah, man. Right? Yeah. Like, it's not like they slowed up or – no, no. It, what Like, what happened was the Pacers continued to play hard. They continued to play the exact style of game in which they ha- have played during the stretch where they are fourth in the Eastern Conference. And the Lakers played, I don't know, Mike, about 38 minutes of quality basketball and in some stretches exceptional basketball and then in 10 minutes – just threw it all away. I thought that they started to, I guess you say, let go of the rope. It's a term. It's just, it's something you see on league pass in about 75% of the games, uh, but usually the teams are able to kind of get control of it again. And it started in the third quarter, not the fourth. So they were up by 16 with a minute left in the third quarter and then just sort of stopped playing. And it was a nine point lead Mm -hmm. a minute later. So it was a couple of threes, and then it was that, remember that transition buzzer beater put back yeah, attempt. Just terrible um, transition defense. Just before the clock expired. And yeah, just playing transition defense, thinking that the game was over. But then they refocus, redouble, they come out. Austin Reeves hits a tough three. Get it to, they get a, a jump shot, a missed shot from Neesmith. Westbrook gets a layup and, and, and a free throw, and then eventually the Gabriel dunk. And so they go up by 17 timeout pacers. Then the Lakers are like, okay, now the game's officially over. Like now things are completely done. So out of the timeout, that's when you get what's essentially a quick 10 0 run in the next two minutes with the Lakers just taking bad shots, settling, not getting back in transition. And then a 10 point lead with eight minutes left is nothing. So it's, it's not like, it's one thing when you say, yeah, they be there. Yes, Riggs. It's one thing when you say you blew a 17-point a lead, but really they blew a 10-point lead with eight minutes left, which is a lot of time, and it's to a bunch of young guys who are just never going to quit. And I'll just – I was sitting next to somebody at the game at that point who said, like when they, the Lakers had to call timeout after that run, and said, oh, this game's, this game's over. You know, they're, they're going to put it back on. And I said, not at this point. At this point, now Indy is – like they're not going away. And all they have to do is keep playing with this, keep pushing in transition and keep hitting a couple threes and it's danger zone time. And so I'm not totally excusing it. It does happen a lot in the NBA. It's just not, it's usually more like a 12 point lead. The teams blow than a 17 point lead. Yeah. Biggest uh, blown fourth quarter lead of the season. And I can't tell you how much I hate guys. The idea that the scouting report against us is like, Oh, just keep running. Just keep, keep running, just keep playing hard, and eventually they will let it get back. Uh, like, well, Dan Wykey kind of— I do want to say that. Yeah. I don't know if that's the scouting report. It's just that's just that's just what you get at Staples Center or at Crypto.com Arena when you're playing against the Lakers as opposed to the Clippers. That, that's what I'm saying. I've just seen over the years, teams are not going to stop playing against the Lakers. Teams will stop playing against a lot of teams when they're down by that much. <laughs> but with the bright lights there in that building— it's it's it, it is unique to the Lakers, maybe a couple of other teams. I think the Warriors now to an extent, but that's all like the, and the Lakers should know that. 
we were 7-Eleven at the time. Like the idea that, like the way that you, because th- that Pacers team was ready to break, D. They were, you know, Russ is dancing for the crowd. It just made that layup and then creates that shot for Wenyon. And, uh, you know, places feeling good. And they, like, you were talking about like getting out of the car, right? We got out of the car and it started rolling down the street. And we said, oh, wait, no, we want to get back into the car. But it was already too far away, right? And so like Mike was saying to the person next to him, like, I don't know about this one because, but that's the thing though, is that like you have to play hard and with focus for the full 48. The press conferences last night, Anthony Davis was the last guy to come out by quite a bit. He was uh, he was a bit late in, in coming out. And everybody before him, I was like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Nobody's actually saying what's going on. Darvin Ham, bless his heart, is like, oh, I didn't, you know, do a good enough job getting us organized on offense and this and that. And there are a couple of mistakes that, that I think he made last night. But like the idea that that was on the coach was like, no, man, well, Anthony Davis finally comes out in the press conference and was like, we didn't get defensive rebounds. We didn't run back in transition defense. These are not things that take skill. These are effort things. And that is a matter of concentration in a way where it's like, yo, we're seven and 11, now seven and 12. Like, what are we doing? There was a game a couple of ga- uh, years ago against the Golden State team that was that was pretty bad that we ended up beating in the play-in where we ended up blowing a big lead. I think we were up 19 at one point uh, in that one and ended up blowing that game. That was very similar. Uh, I I remember during the title seasons and the, the year after, like I would always say there's the worst team in the league is the Lakers when they're up by 25 because the degree to which that the, they completely powered down. That's what gives up that 10 0 run in 90 seconds. And if you want to end that game D that is when you're up 17, the crowd's rocking, the team's feeling good. You push that through for a couple of more minutes and you just play with that same fight and, and fire for a couple more minutes and you'll end the game. Mike is right that teams will play hard against us in a way that that maybe isn't reflected in other games. But when you completely let your foot off the gas, when you completely just stop running, you have to run. You have to run. You have to pursue the basketball for your defensive rebounds. There, I, I'm so mad. I'm so irritated about last night's game, D, because we had that and it was we were talking about like shooting ourselves in the foot a lot in the postgame press conference. But like we're not good enough to blow games like this. No, but they're bad enough to. So <laughs> there was real talk. So there I don't know if you guys remember these these commercials. I don't think they use this slogan anymore, but like. The armed forces, it might have been the army or the Marines. I can't remember which one, but it was like, be all you can be, mm-hmm. right? And last night, that's what I thought about the Lakers. Like, they were, they showed you all that they can be. They showed you they could be the team that is, that can basically string together the sort of runs through some good shot making, through elite rim pressure through just the physicality and force that they play with to basically bury a team that's probably more athletic, like just as athletic as them, has more size on the wing, protect the rim as well as any team in the league. The, you you had commented in, in uh, the thread, Pete, that like um, 
that this was like a fastball pitching team versus a fastball hitting team in terms of like the nature of what the Pacers do defensively and mm-hmm. what the Lakers do offensively, right? Because the Lakers were not going to stop attacking the rim and the Pacers were doing a pretty good job of, of trying to protect the basket. But like at some point it was just like, oh no, Anthony Davis is too good. Like mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook is just powering through guys and getting to, to the basket. And then when you add in a three-pointer here from Lonnie Walker, who was a little bit cold, but then found found his rhythm a little bit late, well, well later, and then Austin Reeves, and it's just like, oh, okay, oh, look, there's Troy Brown. And it's, it's like, oh, okay, this team could go up 16, they can give a little bit back, then they can get it right back again and go up 17. And then they could also be the team, Mike, that slows things down and this is where i want to maybe discuss lebron a little bit yeah because lebron i thought lebron came out looking like it was the best lebron and ad had looked physically as a pair to start this game than i can remember for the last like i don't know 15 18 months maybe Mm -hmm. like lebron was just like oh i'm gonna dominate these dudes he scored the lakers first seven points he was two for two from the field he hit a couple of free throws and he was just going. And then AD looked athletic and dominant. He started two for two. And I think he had four points and three assists. The Pacers were doubling him and he was just mm-hmm. like picking out cutters and guys who were moving into open space. And they looked like this team, like, oh, we're going to get after it. And then they could also be the team like that's just like, okay, well, we're up 17. Let's start walking the ball up. Let's start like, I don't know, running the clock down and taking 15, 18 seconds to get into an action. And even the play out of the timeout where the after that 10-0 run, Mike, that, that you referenced, I think this was out of the timeout. They ran a play, but it took forever. And AD Man. got a dunk with one second left on the shot clock right to push the lead back up to 11 i think but it was just like oh man like if this is the pace they're going to play with indy is going to catch them and pass them just based off the fact that like it turned into this slowdown game versus speed speed up team where the lakers actually had dominated by playing faster and i, I want i don't want to blame it like blame quote unquote put that blame on LeBron, but LeBron was the guy who was dominating possessions at that stretch of the game. They went up 17 and Russ went out and then it was LeBron. And it Mm -hmm. was, it was that, that slowdown, Mike, that I thought was one of the key decisions and the key paths that the team decided to go down and it hampered the team. And, and, And so what was your sense in the arena? Did it seem like that it was too deliberate? Well, of course, but I also, this is the point where, you know, I think Pete and I were going back and forth some on the text thread. Like, this is part of what we've been talking about with LeBron. There there are going to be times in games where he needs to slow it down and control possessions. And like, this is what year 20 is in some part. It's not the same as the 1920 run where like the Lakers can, because that team took their foot off the, the gas late in game, just like almost all teams do to some extent, because part of it's human nature. It happens in all sports and you're just trying to kind of ride the game out and you don't play with the same pace and tempo um, and energy for all 48 minutes. Typically, now, maybe you make that argument once you get to the playoffs, but, but you know, most teams aren't able to do that um, in late November, especially. And so they, 
the game to me, it's the complicating factor is that the thing that I think does work is Anthony Davis. That's what we've seen for the last couple of weeks. And that when it's, it's Darvin Ham wanted to take some responsibility for it, but you know, you've got LeBron and Russ out there who should be able to identify that. And even though Indy's trapping and Indy is basically desperate to try and make sure that AD does not catch the ball and Turner is fronting. Like they're, they were doing some of that in the first half too. And the mm-hmm. Lakers just sort of settled down and they found him like Russ actually did a great job in the second quarter of just finding and force feeding AD. And at that point, once he catches the ball inside and gets a touch, either he just scored right over Turner or he picked out somebody uh, on the weak side. And so that was the stuff that I thought started to go away. And it got into the, the just, all right, I'm going to take care of this possession or I'm going to take care of this possession. And I just was, I just was less surprised, I think, um, based on I think that there's there's some reckoning with this is partly who they're going to be in certain spots uh, this season. And it's not Pete to excuse it Mm -hmm. and to not understand like the but I I didn't have that same anger um, level. I guess there's there's a part of acceptance to me, especially when it's not against the Spurs, who the Lakers who just didn't didn't have that in them and or sat some of their key players that would have helped them had a chance to come back in the game. Let's take a quick break, come back and talk a little bit of LeBron through that context. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, we were up 17, right? Like it, it's something that if you just concentrate, that then the game is over. One element that I think that uh, with LeBron in particular, because like you said, Russ subbed out when we go up 17. I've noticed f- over a long view that I think LeBron is frustrated with his game. And this is part of the reckoning I think that you're talking about, Mike, is, is like what can and can't LeBron do at this point? And what I saw in that stretch right after we went up 17 is I think LeBron was trying to use that that game just as he was the Spurs games to get that rhythm that we were talking about in yesterday's pod. That's I think he saw that as an opportunity to kind of get his own shot. Like the way he played offense was he was trying to score individually. And I think that like, oh, it's we're up 17. It, you know, I'm going to try and get some more shots up. He started out hot, as Darius said, and uh, I forgot who it was that that 
got under him, but he rolled an ankle earlier in the game, and then his shooting. Yeah, he stepped on Halliburton's foot, which, uh, which, and he he legit rolled his ankle. I mean, as somebody mm-hmm. who just rolled his ankle two weeks ago, uh, he <laughs> it that that hurt like when he yeah. did it, and he wasn't the same. And Darius was pointing out in the thread that he didn't have the same lift on his jumper after that, et cetera. Yeah, missing all his jumpers short. And a lot of the looks that he got in the fourth um, that weren't the ISO possessions were wide open jumpers that he just missed. And and that said, though, there's a longer discussion to be had, D, about about what LeBron is is able to do, isn't isn't able to do the. But the the, like level of urgency and the level of this isn't just LeBron, but across the team, like if. LeBron isn't able to get it back. We've got other guys that we can go to the we can go to. One of the big points I've been uh as a ball handler, one of the big points that I've been really uh talking about, and you've you've mentioned as well, D, is that I really, really think LeBron is going to transition more and more into the high post. And that getting those triple threat touches are going to be more of the way that we're able to exploit late game offense because let, let's talk about the last few minutes because we went up 11 with that Dennis pass to AD that you referenced and so we're up 11 with five minutes left too so even though we give up the 10 10-0 run we're still at a comfortable margin and we weren't able to score once again in the last five minutes uh, of aside from those couple of rust buckets that that you res, uh, reference but our late game offense has been consistently bad D and so that's something that isn't just, oh, you let your foot off the gas type of thing. This isn't the first time that we've lost a game in this way. Maybe it is to this degree, but not to this way. And I think part of it is that we give the ball to LeBron, as teams always have throughout his career, at the top of the key or in the slot on the wing, and just say, hey, go to work. And I think he's less that player than before, and certainly right now as he's trying to get more and more of a rhythm. So when I say, hey, we have other players that we can go to, there are other actions that we can go to, of which Anthony Davis should be front and center. And so, again, another two-shot fourth quarter from AD. Like These are storylines that we've seen play out before. Yes, they are. I'll be interested to see how things play out over the course of the next five or 10 games in particular games that both LeBron and Russ are, are healthy and LeBron and Russ are the chief ball handlers in fourth periods. And what happens to AD's shot totals in those games? Um, Because in this game against the Pacers, both of you are right in that, and, and Mike mentioned this earlier, that the Pacers were trying to really limit AD's touches. They were um, three-quarter and, and, and full-fronting him, even mm-hmm. with, like, big players, right? And so normally sure. normally you front with small guys, but they were, they were fronting him with Miles Turner, even. Mm-hmm. And it's that idea of, like, no, 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 no. We're going to make it almost impossible for you to throw this entry pass and the Lakers didn't do a great job of managing that. They, they they flashed some high post stuff early in the game, but like they got away from that. And on in and from LeBron's perspective, they had Andrew Nemhard on him for a vast majority of that fourth. Now they were doubling LeBron in the post too, right? When he would uh, yeah. tr- try to do that, but it was not that 
it, it, it wasn't the the fronting. He was standing behind him. And so I certainly get the temptation to be like, let's give the ball to LeBron against the little sure. dude as opposed to the AD that's being swarmed. But this is where, though, that – so there's a complex relationship between guards and forwards and centers and – how you initiate offense and who has the ball and what is the decision, what is the individual decision making on any given possession for the guy who starts with, with the ball. So you're right about LeBron probably needing to transition more to being that high post uh, triple threat player. He's, he scored more effectively out of the triple threat this season than I think he has off of a live dribble. Um, he's still best in transition, but in half court, I think he needs mm-hmm. he needs the threat of being able to shoot and drive without committing to his dribble yet, because mm-hmm. it keeps his defender just off balance enough where he can get the type of shot that he wants. But what ends up happening is in the fourth quarters, especially during that stretch where Russ was out, LeBron started the possession with the ball in the backcourt, mm-hmm. even though Dennis Schroeder was in the game, too. Right. And so that's what I mean when I say we have other guys like that's what Dennis does. Yes, but no one is going to take the ball out of LeBron James's hands if LeBron wants to have if LeBron wants to start the possession with with the ball. You know who's starting the possession (laughs) with the ball? Pete? Yeah. Right. And so this is where. Look, there's not going to be a come to Jesus moment with LeBron James where he suddenly becomes late career Karl Malone. Like, that's just not going to happen, like, when somebody else tells him. Yeah. It's just not. He's got to like, get there himself if he's yeah, going to. Le- yeah. Like, LeBron is basically going to be the guy where he's going to decide how possessions play out for himself, first and foremost, and then the team secondary, right? And so, no one's trying to cause a feud between LeBron and AD or anything like that. I'm certainly not. But... AD needs more touches or he needs to be more within forget touches. He needs to be more within the context of what the team is running offensively. And it needs to be more than just pick and roll action, because one of the things that I got frustrated with is that when they were involving AD in late game possessions, it was almost always just to set a screen and roll while the guard or the ball handler ended up just turning it into an isolation for themselves or or a pull pull out jumper. And part and I wonder how LeBron sees this from the context of him being more of a big man, too, and him being more more of a screener, because, look. I've seen LeBron set plenty of screens, roll, be open for a half second, not get the ball and sort of Mm. be like, throw his hands up a little bit like, Mm. like, come on now, I'm open here. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you're also a guy who can handle the ball as much as LeBron can, guess what? Maybe next time you're not going to set that screen. You're going to call for the ball in the backcourt because you're going to like, OK, I'm I'm getting the ball this time and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to to that this possession is going to play out on my terms. And there was a point in time where LeBron and I'm not saying that this part of his career is is gone by any stretch of the imagination, but against the Pacers on a potentially sore ankle. Where he, like I said, he started two for two. So LeBron started two for two from the field and from the free throw line and scored seven points. He finished with 21 points on 22 shots and took three total free throws the entire game. The other free throw that he took was on a technical or like a delay of game 
um, mm-hmm. sort, sort of play, right? And so he didn't draw a single shooting foul the rest of the game, Mike. And he mostly shot jumpers that did not fall. And so, like, this is where there needs to be a moment where he's going to have to decide what is best, what's going for me, and how can I optimize the rest of the team? We always get the box score, and, and I'm following it throughout the game, so it's not like it's a surprise. But at the end of the game, and going into the press conference room, and just get the actual hard copy of it and looking at it. And one of the things that I think should stand out the most that, that I don't know that's been discussed a ton is just LeBron and Russ assist to turnover. Okay. So Russ is six and six, six assists, six turnovers. LeBron is three and one Russ that that's kind of, he's had a lot of games like that, but LeBron to only have three assists and have one turnover. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, AD was six and two, but in related news, Troy Brown had three points on five shots. Lonnie Walker had nine on nine. Uh, Schroeder had eight on six shots. Austin Reeves had 13 on four because he got to the free throw line um, by being cagey a bunch of times and took seven free throws and made them all. None took five shots, had five points, He, uh, you know, one, one for five. Gabriel, five points on seven shots. Thomas Bryant only played three minutes. And there's another thing, as I just say, the names Gabriel and Bryant, where the Lakers played so small uh, again at the team that spaces the floor in Indy. But I uh, just want to throw that in there for Pete. But it's the whole <laughs> like it's playing a, a three star build, essentially, with with, you know, when LeBron and Russ are at a different stage from just a three star night. And that to me is where is the thing that can and kind of has to change where it's not just sort of predictable, hey, stars go and go and score and go create offense. And only these guys can can create it when the team's playing defensively a certain way, which I just don't really buy. Um, I, I just think that they have to play more as a team um, and continue to use some of the guys that have been playing pretty well of late. Mike, how does that happen on a team that has like like Darius was saying, when LeBron wants the ball in the backcourt, LeBron's going to get the ball, right? And this is something that you talk about, too, is just there, that pecking order. And because I totally agree with what you're saying. And the the point about being bigger is like we can't lament our defensive rebounding and play as small as we do. If Russell Westbrook is playing power forward, you may not be rebounding the ball. Very yeah. Well. Yeah. Thank you. And and so there is and especially with with Wenyon and TB, they got like do you see how many rebounds they got and how many minutes they got? They got like eight offensive rebounds in a combined, you know, what, 16, 17 minutes. And they're, and and so, yeah, that like, it's so funny. Last year's team to me was the team that was very obviously a small team that started out very big. And this team in some ways has been the opposite. Now, I think that there's been way more lineup wise that we figured out a lot quicker, but the main thing that's still left over, Mike, is like, you know, no rebounds, no rings. There's like these types of situations. I thought we missed Pat Bev last night in part because the long rebounding, we don't have any guards and we'll get more into this uh, when we have a little more of a a zoomed in X's and O's type of uh, type of pod. But our guard rebounding is really bad. And if you're going to play small, your guards have to be able to rebound long rebounds. And over and over and over again, this was another thing where like I was like, uh, AD's the one speaking basketball truths where it's like, yeah, the ball's going to bounce out to the free throw line when you miss a three. And that's going to happen a lot. And we don't have anybody aside from Pat Bev who has that instinct to kind of like slide that way. So anyway, back to, to the question, back to you, though, Mike, is like, how do you 
that pecking order of LeBron and Russ and these guys, that's what they've done for their whole career. How do you kind of pierce that whole idea? Well, I think LeBron has shown throughout his career that he can, is typically going to handle that very well. And it's just coming to terms with and finding out where his rhythm is. As you said, he had been building it and then he turns his ankle and it's been something that's on that same foot where the left foot. And I think that is enough of a thing where we just, oh, it's LeBron and he's out there and he's playing through it. But I thought Mm -hmm. that that took away the separation that he creates that gets guys the wide open shots. And Indy was less able to play him a little bit more straight up. And, you know, based on the way that the Pacers were playing, you can make the argument that they, that he, like they still should have won the game. You know, he, they still should have written it out the way that they did. And Mm -hmm. Indiana got, let's see, a combined eight three-pointers made from Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nemhard, who, like the three of us know those guys, but I don't think the average, uh, you know, even league pass watcher is expecting that to happen. Now, they also didn't get threes made from Buddy Heald or from Miles Turner, but that was more right. I thought because the Lakers had a pretty good scouting report and were playing pretty well and getting into the right guys. And, you know, I, I thought like Lonnie Walker and Shooter, for example, maybe they didn't give a lot on offense. Part of that's because they were really trying to stick to uh, mm-hmm. the Pacers. Uh, on the perimeter and and so it the game i think still could have been written out lebron's not going to have a lot more nights where it's three assists to one turnover uh they're like darvin might call a timeout in a different way to get to make sure that anthony davis gets a catch on the post like there there's a lot of could have would have should is that will just get better um naturally but the the bigger picture thing is that as typically it's all going to fall back on just lebron and deciding how he's going to see some of those games out and and, you know, also being able to get to the right place physically where I don't think he's been this year based on a mix of the left foot, now the ankle there and being sick for a week. And it's just like in year 20, that stuff has made a big difference. Yeah. And so I feel like I've been hard on LeBron this pod, but the nature of his game last night, especially was difficult. I think Showing him a certain amount of grace, though, is important because, like Mike said, I think the ankle really did bother him. And I think Mm -hmm. that um, he is still sort of finding his rhythm and a night to night basis. It's going to fluctuate more for him than I think what he's typically used to. And figuring that part of of his game out as well is something that you only do through playing. And so I want to make sure that we're. We're being as big picture view about LeBron as as we can, which also means that we understand what part of his career he's actually in. So that's part of that big picture view, but also understanding that no one is going to be able to make the internal decisions that need to be made on a possession to possession basis for LeBron James, except for LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And, and rightfully so. Yeah, no, totally. And he, Darwin said this a few games ago, Mike, and it was, I think, in response to a question that was asked about keeping AD rolling after LeBron gets back. And Darwin said, LeBron is smart enough. He's a smart enough basketball player to sort of understand like what needs to happen on a night to night basis. And to that point, I thought that Pete's point earlier about LeBron sort of looking at the tenor and tone of the game, time and score, and thinking, I have 
I've got a little bit of runway here to maybe mm-hmm. try a few things out. And I don't have to force feed the ball to Anthony Davis. Like I can go that route and it's going to be fine. What I'll be interested in seeing is, is in crunch time, crunch time, where it's just like, it's not a 17 point game, but it's a, oh, like, oh, it's a six point game or it's a four point game. What those possessions look like from a critical yeah. mass standpoint of like, okay, we're in this. And this is a battle and there isn't the like, oh, well, oh, we've got to try to get things back now. Like we got to recapture some some energy. But no, like the vibe of the game has flown Mm -hmm. in in a way where everyone is competing at their highest level. How do those possessions play out? And I'll be interested to see just all of that. Right. Because this team hasn't had a lot of minutes together and particularly not LeBron and AD where AD is playing at this level and LeBron is trying to reach back and get to the level that he showed against the Spurs when AD sat. Yeah, I think we have some very real basketball problems in the last five minutes of uh, of the game that have borne out a few times. And part of that comes from how we go about trying to do it. I don't think they're unsolvable problems, but I just think it's a shift in like, especially how we how we attack via LeBron and what that looks like. But 10,000 foot view got a little bit of my animosity out. Guys, if we would have recorded last night, I had I had rants. We're recording early in the morning. I only got a couple hours of sleep. This was the uh, the diet version of, of my anger. I feel better. It was nice to get that out. Um, and 10,000 foot view, we were clearly better than the Pacers, Mike, for a good portion of that game in a ways that it was like, hey, we're like, we're not bad. Yes. And the zoom out to piggyback on that. Just look at it in context with the previous week and change. The Lakers got some real luck. I guess I wouldn't actually call it luck because the Spurs are doing what they're doing. But the way that the Spurs approached those three games and the fact that the Lakers still took care of business, which even against a team that is openly tanking, right, is not a guarantee, especially three times in a week. Yeah. And so it's the kind of thing that didn't happen early in the in the season. And it's the type of thing that hasn't happened to the Lakers much at all, frankly, like going back to the OKC Houston's last year, like those teams playing like flying around with their young guys. So to me, that kind of it's it's in one way, like the frustration point, I think, for the Lakers in terms of looking at their record and the standings is, OK, yeah, but could have should have been now eight and 11 going into the Portland game. But, you know, based on how they played and just about the way the ball has bounced and all that and the way other teams have been injured, like seven and 12 is reasonable based on what the start was at two and 10. And now Portland comes in, Portland's lost five of six. Dame is not playing yet. The the Portland game now becomes the game that you absolutely cannot lose based on the fact that you tricked away the Indiana game. But like winning one of those two against teams that are still like at least playing decent based on what the Lakers talent is, based on all of these things is to me fine, if not ideal. Um, and like when Darius started to uh, joined us uh, in writing for the Lakers, um, we looked at that stretch of games, right? Darius and was like, all right, what is acceptable versus this? And they're, they're still, they're in the acceptable portion right now. Like as long mm-hmm. as they take care of business against Portland going ahead of this, this road trip. And we may have even said eight and 12 Darius, like you may, that that's where, if they're going to have a chance to like sustain mm-hmm. this trip. So the, that doesn't change to me based on, on that fourth quarter against Indiana because they were able to take care of business um, leading up to that point. And I just wanted to 
it's more of Pete, like the, the overall from the airplane looking down, yep. like league pass included. This is what happens in the NBA, the Laker, all that stuff is like, but if they, if they now are, are, are unable to bounce back from this against Portland, then, uh, then that's where I sort of start to come to where your level is, where, you know, where they, they have put themselves in that spot. That they shouldn't have. <laughs> Yeah, if nothing else, we need to learn from this type of experience. And if you use a situation in a game like this correctly, this is a great way to the next time you're up by 13, 15, 20 points in the second half, you guys be like, hey, you remember the Indiana game? We don't want to have that happen again, right? And even if you let go of the rope or you get out of the car, you're just walking next to it for a stretch before it starts to roll. You know, that, there's a way to to use that uh, as an overall positive. And I'm just so struck by the way the West standings have broken that these games that we've blown have not been particularly punitive in terms of our like, oh, well, we're going to have a real tough shot getting there. And you, you reference that, Mike, of like we're right in, in that area. And so let off a little bit of steam today. Felt good to get it out, but let's keep it rolling. Got Portland tomorrow. I, I would like to uh, have a trade front office discussion with you guys tomorrow and we'll do that here on the laker film room podcast james has got it in low to mchale mchale wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy tip to magic worthy dies on his belly magic scores there's magic got it magic fires it's good they win lakers win the game the lakers win the game three seconds left that next to the winner it's on the way A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Miss it. Brian. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.